You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. I bring you the show each and every week here at OTI and it's my pleasure to do so. Usually on the show I am joined by my co-host Doug Moore but unfortunately due to our schedules this week we just couldn't uh, get both of us uh, on on the line at the one time. So today I am hosting solo by Josh Hermsmeyer. A lot of you will know him from his work with uh, Air Yards. He is the Air Yards guy. You can airyards.com. He's part of the there at Rotoviz and uh, part of the podcast network as well with Rotoviz Radio that I'm uh, the executive producer off for this season. Uh, you can find him on the Number Games podcast, which is one of my favorite ones to listen to each and every week. It is Josh Hermsmeyer. Thank you for coming aboard the podcast, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me, Coleman. And uh, I remember coming on here last uh, last year, right after I started this whole. I think it was around November you jumped aboard. Yeah, that's right. November came on board and uh, had a great uh, conversation with you and Doug. And uh, I just appreciate you having me on and having me back. No, it's uh, it's always my pleasure. Uh, starting off the show each and every week, I like to just remind people that you can subscribe to the podcast if it is your first time tuning in. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the ways really you can listen to podcasts. Uh, you can get that RSS feed as well if you listen to on something else because I know I use a, a different player on my Android phone and uh, you know you can just get that RSS feed, plug it in there and uh, listen each and every week as it goes live. So make sure you are subscribed. You can also find all those links on OvertimeIreland.com where you can also stream the podcast if you if you want to do it that way uh, we have set up this week as well our uh, OTA promo with NFL Shop Europe is back up and running you can save 10% on all orders on their website that is europe.nflshop.com pretty much the exact same as nflshop.com but it's based here in Europe and anything on the website that you want to uh, go and buy there just put in the code OTA10 at checkout save 10% off all orders on there really is a, a great deal that we've got going on will be going on uh, for the next couple of weeks but uh, get in and get it done early uh, the more people that use it the longer the code goes on so uh, it'll help you throughout the season if you're looking ahead uh, <clears throat> if you're looking ahead far down the line maybe down to uh, christmas you can buy yourself a bargain at this time so get involved and get uh, buying on uh, nfl shop or europe.nflshop.com and use that code ota10 so uh, we're on here and we're going to look through um, week three and heading in to week four but we're going to first uh, in case some of the listeners aren't familiar josh uh, you've mentioned the work you started with air yards kind of probably uh, near, oh, nearly a year ago now but uh, it's really grown into something special in airyards.com do you want to give a mention first as to uh, exactly uh, what it is sure right? it's not too not too complicated it's just simply the number of yards that a wide receiver would have caught um both uh, you know well the completed yards he did catch without any yak, and then the yards he would have caught if he had have caught the ball on an incompletion. So you just add all that stuff up, and, and you get an idea of the, and a sense of the volume behind each target to each uh, receiver in a football game. So it's just another way of measuring volume, and that's pretty important because volume correlates really, really well with fantasy points, which is, after all, what we all care about. Yeah, so we'll be touching on a lot of different uh, parts and players here as we go through. We'll be talking about the air yards as well. So we're going to start running through them. And uh, air yards, for anyone that listened to um, the Beat Report podcast I done two weeks ago, we looked at the New England Patriots versus the Saints. And Chris Hogan was a player in week one against the Chiefs who didn't have a, a huge output in terms of uh, production on the field, but his air yards were among uh, some of the highest players in the NFL after week one. So he was somebody I targeted and that talked about. He was my player of the week in that one. And uh, that was down to air yards that really helped uh, elevate him and help me pick him out in that one so as we look into uh, the news we're going to start to run through some of the games we're going to start off with the Ravens backfield it's pretty much a mess uh, 
Running back Buck Allen was a hot name after his impressive performance in week two, but he managed just 28 total yards in week three. Terrence West rushed for 26 yards, uh, picked up a bit of an injury in that game against the Jaguars. This game, in general, was a mess for the for the, uh, for the the Baltimore Ravens against the Jaguars, and Alex Collins led the team in rushing with 82 yards and nine carries. We might not uh, be able to count on any of these backs uh, from week to week. Is it a case of just uh, staying away from this backfield from the, for the next couple of weeks? I'm not sure I'm staying away. I, I think Buck Allen was the uh, the guy who suffered the most based on how that uh, offense, well, I mean, all the receivers as well, since Flacco couldn't complete a pass. I think he had like eight completions or something. But uh, it was just a, it was a hot mess uh, in London. And so I don't think this is game, this game's indicative of how things are going to be moving forward. Uh, Alex Collins had nine carries for 82 yards. That's ridiculous. It's almost 10 yards or <laughs> eight yards a carry. So, I mean, so it, it's just, uh, it's silly. So, yeah, I still think Buck Allen's the guy to own so long as Terrence West is banged up. Um, if they're in a positive game script, I still like, uh, I really like Buck Allen and those type of games. So if they're favored, especially if they're favored at home, uh, I wouldn't uh, hesitate to pull the trigger in DFS on Buck Allen or if you have him on your bench to maybe give him a spot start in the flex. Uh, it was a monster day for the, the Patriots, a very, very late comeback, in fact, for them uh, up in Foxborough against the, the Texans. But Tom Brady had a, a five-touchdown day. Branton Cooks had a big day, as big a day yet as a New England Patriot. Five receptions for 131 yards, including that game-winning uh, score with just a couple of seconds remaining. Brady did uh, spread the ball around, fed uh, all his kind of pass catchers. Robin Kowski with a ma- massive day, eight for 89 yards and a touchdown. And Chris Hogan, as I mentioned earlier, uh, he had another monster week, uh, four for 68 and two. He's kind of filling in now, getting more of that work in the in the Julian Edelman role. Uh, the the Patriots running backs were not uh, really volume players this week, uh, but looking at those uh, pass catchers, obviously it's going to be spread around from week to week. And uh, one of those Chris Hogan touchdowns, I think, was the first one. Uh, it looked like the the Texans just decided not to cover him at all. But out of these uh, rest of season, obviously we all love Rob Gronkowski. But are you concerned about uh, Cooks? You know, having those up and down weeks as we continue the season. And your thoughts on Chris Hogan? Well, coming into this week, uh, Cooks showed up on my air yards by low model. Basically, it just kind of looks at the amount of volume and then the amount of efficiency and kind of figures out what their actual fantasy points should be based on the volume and efficiency. And uh, if they're below par, uh, it recommends them as a by low. And he was a huge by low and he exploded for quite a few yards. And I believe he had a touchdown as well. Um, so uh, I like I like Brandon Cooks rest of the season. I think when you pair a guy like him with Tom Brady, uh, he's the wide receiver to own. Chris Hogan is still going to be fine. I mean, he can support two wide receivers and a top tight end, um, um, speaking of Tom Brady. So I don't think there's anyone here to hate. Uh, people like Evan Silver are trading first-round picks for Chris Hogan. He's definitely a solid, solid play. But my one concern with him is he really – we want to say he's taking the Edelman role, but he's not running the Edelman routes. He's still being deployed deep. His dot is very, 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 very high compared to someone like Amendola or Edelman, so it's not the case that he's going to be peppered with targets like those guys. Yeah, and it's uh, quite a rise uh, from coming from the Bills uh, prior to last season, and he had, a, he had a nice season last year, but he's having a, a significant role so far early in the season this year. Uh, looking at the running backs, it's really another one that's going to be hard to call uh, that committee approach. But uh, with uh, Mike Gillisley, uh, we've seen him have a, a big week in Week One. Is it basically going to be a, a situation like Legarrette Blunt last year, maybe a, a kind of touchdown or bust week uh, each and every week for him? I think it has to be. I think you just pick your spots like he's blunt, and uh, you can pretty much write off Burkett at this point. He's injured, and uh, when he comes back, I don't uh, – I mean, maybe, you know, it's Bill B. It's Belichick. Who knows what he'll do? And 
Burkhead comes back, suddenly you'd be the featured guy. It's just stuff kind of things that Bill does, but uh, I think you'd be pretty solid in uh, Gillis Lee's role moving forward. Yeah, not their hearts uh, with Burkhead, uh, somebody who I was uh, very, very optimistic about in, in the offseason. Uh, Deshaun Watson did look uh, impressive in this. It was a game that I thought he would struggle, and a lot of people did think he would struggle, although talk was last week that uh, no rookie quarterback had gone in to Foxborough uh, and uh, upset uh, Bill Belichick uh, since he's been there, but uh, it looked uh, for the kind of the second half like it was a strong opportunity off that happen uh, for the rest of the season uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Deshaun Watson and were you uh, you know impressed with him prior you know through the draft process you, was he somebody you thought ha- could have a, a big uh, career in the NFL at the quarterback position and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well obviously how do you think he manages uh, to, to develop a rapport with Watson I was never a big uh, fan of Deshaun Watson and I, I'm still not sold on him I, I don't think that uh, you know, he's a terribly good quarterback. I don't think he's going to shake out as an above-average quarterback in the league. Um, but I do think he can support DeAndre Hopkins and just simply because he, he likes him. He targets him a lot. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has one of the highest target shares in the league. Um, so the volume's there for DeAndre, and I, and I don't worry about him the rest of the season moving forward. Uh, but Deshaun is going to be a guy that um, I, I would even be scared of streaming, to be perfectly honest. He's, I, I don't have a lot of trust in him. Yeah, I think with any rookie quarterback too, it's going to be up and down a lot uh, over that rookie season. And, you know, I think we get too carried away from week to week uh, this early in the season. And, you know, after that Thursday night game, people were saying that he was way in over his head after this week's game. Everyone's saying that, you know, he's the, just going to be excellent the rest of the season. So you just have to try and stay kind of level keel as the season goes on and uh, don't jump to conclusions too quickly. Uh, obviously, at the rookie as a rookie quarterback, uh, I think he's going to have a lot of struggles as the season goes along. But like you mentioned with Hopkins, uh, no concerns there. Uh, Colts, uh, we had a T.Y. Hilton uh, sighting this week. He was uh, somebody who, uh, through the first three weeks, I haven't played him in quite a few. I've been quite a few dynasty leagues, didn't play him, and this week it really came back to bite me on the ass. Uh, he caught seven of nine targets, 153 yards, and a score. And uh, that score, he just uh, ran his way up field, and uh, nobody could catch him. Fantasy owners really like myself had kind of grown uneasy. I didn't grow uneasy. I just didn't start him in any of those weeks. But if you had started him in the first two weeks, you're probably likely to have sat him this past week and uh, he had a he had a real monster game ty hilton um showing that he's kind of quarterback proof this week yeah i don't know moving forward that you you're absolutely locked in on him but i don't think you sit someone you take in the first two or three rounds of your drafts uh it's just going to be the same we may be talking about him a little bit later but it's the same kind of thing with amari cooper this week uh he had some down weeks you drafted him high yes he's going against a tough defense but that's a good offense. That's a good offensive line, and he's a good player. you got to play him. And it's the same thing with T.Y. Hilton. He made the buy-low list last week, and he exploded for, like you say, 153 yards in a score. Um, Brissett was actually looking pretty good that first game against Arizona. He ran the ball well. Uh, he had some rushing touchdowns, so he was making the defense think about other things other than his passing, and then this week came out and proved that he can do that as well. I remember watching him during the preseason and thinking I was really impressed by his play. So I think he is uh, he's a guy kind of like how we thought about um, Hoyer a couple years ago, where you don't think much of the player himself, but he can support a very good wide receiver. So I, I think that's the case here. Yeah, I think probably some we started to feel that way kind of maybe about Josh McCowan prior to the, when he went to Tampa, but we see him supporting uh, again with the Jets, uh, still supporting some fantasy options even at the start of this season. Uh, another player for the Colts, uh, Dante Moncrief, uh, it looks like he may have lost that starting job, and he's somebody who you know, we had a lot of hype for over the last uh, kind of two years. Not as much this year, but we thought there was going to be a, a major development there as a wide receiver, but he has continued to disappoint, and he uh, had two catches for 44 yards on the day. Kenny Britt also in this game kind of woke up from an early 
early season slumber and uh, he caught three balls for 54 yards and a touchdown that touchdown did happen pretty late in the game and uh, he, Brett as well I don't know about you but Brett was somebody I bought into a lot this off season and it's been really really uh, tough he had 10 targets in this game to make those three catches for the 54 yards and a touchdown so Kenny Brett is it a case of uh, we just can't trust him like this was a perfect opportunity against a banged up Colts uh, secondary and with uh, so many wide receivers, you know, Corey Coleman missing for the uh, Browns and so on. Yeah, I think it's important to keep perspective with Britt. He, he did absolutely nothing the first two weeks. The third week, he puts up 14 and a half points, which isn't terrible. I mean, it's not going to lose you your week. Um, he did get the TD. But yeah, totally inefficient, right? So three, three for 10, that's not, that's not going to get it done. And so the question now is, after being called out, after being told he needed to step up and then only, you know, having a 30 per, 30, 30% catch rate, is he going to see less targets next week? Is someone like Rashard Higgins going to pick up that volume? Um, and that's, or, or Ricardo Lewis for that matter. Um, and I think the, it remains to be seen. But look, he was a ninth round pick in ADP by most people. There are a lot of folks who are on him saying he's going to be much better than that. Maybe he's going to disappoint this year. But uh, I'm not ready to jump ship just yet. He's, he's, he's doing fine for a ninth round pick right now. Yeah, I think that's it too. We probably built up our expectations that he was going to finish with a you know a much much higher production. So he's probably still, uh, if you average out the points he's got so far this season, still averaging out uh, you know at a kind of average value at that point. So we'll see as the season goes on. Uh, but I was expecting more straight off the bat. But you often see with players changing teams and free agency that it can take them a little bit of time to get going. My next note here just says the Miami offense was a mess in week three. Uh, not much more to add to that. It was a, an absolute uh, train wreck. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't actually I didn't watch the tape on it, and I didn't watch the game because it never it never made red zone. You know, there was no highlights. I remember scrolling down on my phone and looking at uh, zero points for Cutler, who I decided to stream start in one of my leagues, and just being shocked at halftime and zero points. I did not expect that. Um, but it was nice at the end of the game with the garbage time touchdown to Parker. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, an absolute mess. So let's see if they can get back on track uh, this week. And when you look at uh, that garbage time touchdown, anyone that had Devontae Parker in any other lineups last week, that was the probably the most garbage of all garbage time touchdowns that you're ever going to see. Just literally like the last pass of the game. It was incredible, but it was also glorious. Yeah, and I, I also I can't remember for definite, but I think they might have missed the PAT even after that. So just uh, an, an absolute mess overall. The Jets, on the other hand, a team that we had uh, come to believe were a mess over the first couple of weeks, had a, had a nice week and they won this game quite comfortably. Robbie Anderson led the way with 95 yards and a touchdown on three catches. Jermaine Kearse had only three targets on the day, which surprised me. He was a player... Uh, that and the the road of his uh, play of the week uh, that we do each and every week for DFS over there. I had him as my kind of uh, standout player that I thought was a good value this week. So obviously that did not work out for me. Austin Severian Jenkins returned from his suspension. He caught five passes for 31 yards. And then uh, Bilal Powell, who somebody as well. You'll this might be a theme of the show. A lot of players that I liked in the off season uh, haven't come to fruition just as of yet. Bilal Powell rushed uh, for 37 yards and 15 rushes and a touchdown. It's not very impressive, but it is his best game of the season by quite some distance the, the Jets just don't seem to be all there on Powell and I've seen as well today that they have signed Travis Cadet as well uh, formerly off the New England or the New Orleans Saints so uh, you know what what do you think with Powell is he somebody you like as a player and have you been surprised at his usage uh, Matt Forte still uh, toting the rock there uh, for the Jets yeah I guess uh, Forte had the toe injury looks like he's going to come back from that I think that's going to I think this is going to be a timeshare. I think if uh, if you ask the, the Jets, I think uh, they, they view both of these guys as aging running backs and neither of them as a, a piece for the future. I think they're just going to use whoever's healthy and throw them out there. 
Yeah, I thought it would be a case, you know, uh, that uh, Powell just is a couple of years younger. Forte will likely be uh, out after this season, and they have Powell for another two years. I thought they would give him the opportunity, but it just hasn't worked out so far after how he finished the season last year, looking very, very strong. So uh, disappointing for myself there. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. for the Giants is uh, pretty much uh, absolutely just incredible. We knew that already. Looks close to 100% after his uh, ankle injury a few weeks back. Uh, two absolutely and just incredible is the only word I can use for them, uh, touchdown catches. Yeah, and I think the only thing that concerns me about OBJ is that he can get in his own head and with the owner, Mara, saying negative things about his celebration. Uh, I just, I, I, you know, it's, it's oversold the narrative of he is a head case, but I, I do worry that he can get emotional and, and maybe that can help him lose his focus. But I, I think he's incredibly talented, the most talented receiver in the NFL, and that will probably almost uh, every week show through, and uh, especially with this performance. So. Yeah, it's got it's got to the stage now where these uh, you know catches they don't even you don't even think oh that's amazing anymore you just think oh that's Odell Beckham and the thing as well you know you kind of we know now what we're getting with Beckham he has that kind of flamboyant streak maybe that there streak like you mentioned where he gets in his own head and from time to time can. Uh, go kind of off the rails but uh, I think that's just what we're going to get from him throughout his career but uh, just it's been a phenomenal start to uh, his young career as a wide receiver Darren Sproles had a bad week uh, he left the game with a broken arm and on that same play he also tore his ACL so he's done for the season pretty brutal brutal luck for him on that play and you know Sproles with him uh, moving up there in years it could possibly be the end of uh, what has been for a player who's uh, only five foot eight, uh, a terrific career for him we'll see if he does make it back onto the field next season tight end Zach Ertz did continue his hot streak with eight for 55 and one touchdown at the moment uh you know you obviously have Gronkowski but outside of that there uh, Ertz is really uh, one of the the tight ends with his usage so far that has uh, looked very very impressive yeah I think you know last season he was winning a bunch of people uh weeks in DFS making a lot of people money he came in this season early on and he was the chalk again he's continue to produce and make everyone look smart. Um, I don't see any reason to start fading Zach Ertz. The guy just seems to be a stud at the tight end position. Um, I've heard people I respect put him in the top five, and I have no reason to disagree at this point, especially with all the injuries. Yeah, and usage, uh, even last year, wasn't the the issue for Ertz. Getting in the end zone kind of had been an issue for him since he'd come into the NFL, but uh, he's off to a nice start this year in that department as well. Uh, Legarrette Blunt uh, didn't have a carry in week two, but he ran it 12 times for 67 yards and a touchdown against the Giants. Wendell Smallwood ran as well 12 times for 71 yards, and Corey Clement had 6 for 22 and 1 touchdown. Again, I've mentioned with a couple of backfields so far, it's very hard to uh, decipher this, especially with Blunt getting uh, no carries two weeks ago and then running it 12 times this week. How do you see this shaking out as well uh, with Darren Sproles also, as I mentioned there, out for the season? I want no part of this. I, 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 don't have, <laughs> I have no good takes. I have no insight. I just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, we have, we have no takes. Uh, the takes are all gone on this one. Uh, moving on to... Uh, Jack Del Rio, uh, you mentioned earlier with uh, Amari Cooper, Del Rio did say on Monday that Cooper has got to find a way to fix his issue with drops. Cooper has already been charged with six drops through three games, which is three more than any other receiver charted at Pro Football Focus. He also has just 101 yards through three games and uh, dropped only five balls in the in the total of last season. It looked like last year was uh, where he had cleaned up, you know, with the drops issue. It's uh, something that did in his rookie campaign plague him. And, um, you know, moving on to this week, he has a tough matchup with Denver. Are you concerned with the drops? And then uh, can you play him this week against Denver where he has uh, struggled in the past? 
Sure. So first, the drops, a little bit of theory. Uh, drops correlate very, very well with targets. So uh, the more targets you get, the more drops you have. So look, it, it's it's a function of a guy who is getting the most volume on his team. He's getting the most opportunities. And yes, he's had the most drops in the league his rookie year, and then he had one of the fewest rates of drops his second year, and now he's got some drops again this year. Uh, if you ask me, it might have something to do with impressing. I think he knew he was going to be the guy at the start of the season. He got all the red zone looks, dropped a few of them. I think his confidence is down. He is a huge talent. We know he's a good talent. We know Oakland's going to continue using him. I mentioned this at the top of the show. I don't see any reason to fade him, even against Denver, even though in his four-game sample against Denver in his career, he hasn't done great. I think his best game, he had 60 yards. Um, I still think he's a guy who can break out. If you look at where Denver's weak this year and we look at the depths of target where they're giving up catches, past three weeks, they've given up over 62% catch rate all across the field, um, especially short and especially deep. The middle of the field there, shutting it down, really, really good there. Like I'm talking from like 10 to 15 yards, there's just nothing there. So throwing to the, throwing to the sticks on them isn't going to work. But if they if they deploy him deep or they deploy him very sharp, uh, short and hope him uh, and hope to block for him so that he can uh, do some damage with Yak, I think uh, Mark Cooper could have a decent day. Yeah, and uh, when you look as well, um, you know, with that Denver defense, they've really locked down on the run this year. So they're, they're, the Raiders are going to have to, uh, you know, try and pass it a little bit more this week. So that is uh, an interesting perspective there on that one. And when you, you look at the Raiders, uh, I suppose you'll touch on it when they played on, uh, I think it was Monday Night Football when they played against the Washington Redskins. They uh, really look to be just pretty much all over the place uh, on offense in that one. Yeah, for sure. I, it wasn't a good look for them. I just think it was a bad game. I, again, it's one of those situations where you really can't chalk it up to Cooper himself. I think uh, Oakland overall didn't look very good. Yeah, you have to look at some of these games, and it's just, uh, you know, you chalk it down as one of those days at the office where everything just did not work out. It looked like maybe their game plan just uh, was the wrong, the wrong one for this week. After a pathetic in a week two show, and I guess pathetic, I'm trying to be nice here, uh, Mr. Case Keenum uh, was back under centre for the Vikings as Sam Bradford once again sat out with that knee injury. Uh, Keenum had a monster day in terms of his overall performance, and in turn so did his wide receivers. Uh, Stefan Diggs, who is a big guy with all the road of his team over there, uh, he dominated the Bucks' solid secondary. You know, it was a game where I thought the Bucks' uh, secondary could uh, give the Vikings a, a tough one here, but he really did uh, dominate them uh, throughout the game, catching eight passes for 173 yards and a pair of touchdowns, and Adam Thielen chipped in as well with five grabs for 97 yards. So the kind of talk in the offseason was that when these two guys played together, that, you know, it was kind of a case uh, if Thielen didn't play, that Diggs had a big game of... Uh, Diggs didn't play Thielen at a big game, but now they're playing at the same time and they're both having big games pretty, pretty uh, consistently, apart from uh, didn't really either of them didn't really have a big day against the Steelers. But uh, Diggs, uh, this isn't the first time uh, that we've seen him kind of hit over, well over 100 yards, not just uh, getting a 100-yard game, but up at 173 yards this week. Uh, is there? Uh, are you just uh, all in on, uh, on Stephon Diggs? Oh, yeah. I mean, the way he got those touchdowns too was just incredibly impressive. He went up and... Uh, high pointed a ball. He's not a big guy, you know. He's pretty slight in terms of his frame, and, and he's not tall. Uh, he just plays big. He plays like a football player, and you know all that sounds like tape grinder stuff. But I, I believe in it. And 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 when you talk about this particular spot last week, there were a lot of people who've been off the Atlanta Diggs because of Case Keenum, because of just the bad game they just came off of. I just think that recency bias, that kind of that that thinking, is exactly what's wrong. Um, uh, and why we get surprised some weeks, and, and it's why you should be on Amari Cooper this week, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, look what Diggs did with Case Keenum. I mean, last year, Case Keenum uh, 
won some guy a million dollars in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker, throwing to another guy we hate, uh, which is uh, at least so far this season, Kenny Britt. So, <laughs> you know, th- things things can turn around really quickly, and uh, I think you just believe in the wide receiver talent uh, and, and their past production, and it typically won't let uh, lead you astray. Yeah, so uh, all aboard the uh, Stefan Diggs train there. And uh, Cam Newton struggled once again uh, for the Panthers. It's been uh, a really quite miserable start offensively to the Panthers' season, but uh, I suppose the one bright spot in this was uh, Christian McCaffrey, the rookie, put up 101 yards in the air in this one. It's something that, you know, I don't think that's going to happen every week. He was uh, peppered with targets, but uh, were you impressed with him? And uh, how concerned are you overall about the the Panthers' offensive options with uh, Greg Olson out? I was more impressed that uh, Cam Newton was actually throwing it accurate short. Uh, it's 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 actual it's it's a real problem for that guy, and it's a big reason why I didn't like CMC this year because of his situation there. He's going to need games like this where he's peppered with targets, like you said, and where he's uh, open in space. Because if you look at the way he's making his yards, it's not in the middle. He's not going through holes uh, that are made through the tackles. Or excuse me, through the guards in the center. He, he that that's just not his game. Uh, he's just too small to get that done. And I think if he uh, if they try and use him that way, I think they're going to fail. So that's this is the game. This past game is the game you want to see for CMC. Question is how often, like you said, is he going to have that type of game? And I really don't know. Yeah, and obviously this year week they you know they played the sense of those any week this offense was going to get back on track. You know you kind of pepper down uh, New Orleans and particularly when they're on the road that it's going to be a, a game where the offense can really get back on track. But just didn't happen this week for the Panthers. We'll see if they can do it going forward. But uh, I, I really like uh, watching Cam Newton. I, I have him quite a few of my teams, and he's a player you always count on those rushing yards. But the rushing yards have been uh, reduced, and the rushing attempts have been reduced quite significantly. He had a rushing touchdown in this, but still didn't really help him out overall from a fantasy perspective. This past week so uh, there's going to need to be big big improvements uh, from that Panthers offense if you're going to be able to use them consistently in fantasy uh, football for the rest of the season. Next up is Chiefs rookie Kareem Hunt and he uh, just continues to have monster games. Uh, The Chargers managed to contain Hunt kind of similar to the game last week I think it was the Eagles they played and he was kind of contained then in the the third quarter he kind of got up and uh, had a head of steam but in the he had a 69 yard touchdown to uh, run in and seal the game and he totaled 183 yards on the day so I think uh, there's only, I, I can't remember the player, but I think there's only one player in NFL history to his first three games in the league as a rookie that has had more yards than Kareem Hunt, but uh, he's had a, an absolutely amazing start to his career. Incredible. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, there was and one I, part I, of... I was a Spencer Ware guy all off season, so uh, <laughs> I have like maybe two shares of Kareem Hunt, so it, it hurts me every time I see him uh, just running, running uh, into vast open spaces. Yeah, he was he was my favorite rookie running back, and uh, uh, I, I don't have enough of him. You know, I don't think anyone does at this point. But he is incredible. But I think the one knock you had on him watching is you know him in college, and then looking at his uh, measurables and all the rest is that you didn't think he could break those big runs, right? This is going to be a guy that's going to break three tackles every run. You know, just that that was his profile. Um, just a bruiser and, and just really hard to bring down. So he's going to get you those extra yards, feed him volume, and he'll be a solid RB two. But with these huge runs. I think the thing we've underestimated is his game speed. It's something I've been working on this year is trying to quantify that using uh, the next-gen data available from NFL.com. And um, he has amazing game speed. The guy is incredible. Um, it just just, just when you put pads on him and you, and you, and you make it run through the hole, he's, he's just really, really good compared to his peers on the same field. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a guy you want to circle and, uh, and say he's probably going to be something special so long as he remains healthy. 
Yeah, and he just the uh, you know the the game the game plan there with Andy Reid. I've mentioned it. I think the last couple of weeks in the show, and I've mentioned it over the years on the podcast. It's something that doesn't get enough credit is Andy Reid's ability to coach a team. I, I think he is, in my opinion, in the the top three coaches in the NFL. Just it's something that you know we laugh about his uh, clock management and two minute drills and so on and so forth. But outside of that situation, uh, he just uh, continues to uh, get a good game plan each and every week and help uh, his team get into positions to win. And we all know his uh, correlation then with his number one running backs. Uh, getting great opportunities so uh, Kareem Hunt is on a, on a nice uh, still an amazing start to the season and we'll see if it can continue throughout the season but uh, in this system with this team he, he should have every opportunity to continue to get that monster workload Melvin Gordon is the running back for the San Diego Chargers he totaled 79 yards and a touchdown in this game against a, a pretty tough team to run against in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, but he left and missed the majority of the second half with a knee injury but he did come in again late on so he had a nice game with missing uh, the majority that half and uh, we've seen some Branton Oliver getting uh, tossed in there when Garden was out and that the, the big talking point I suppose coming out of this one was uh, Philip Rivers through three first half interceptions uh, Rivers really did uh, struggle against this Chiefs defense yeah Rivers was garbage it was really really bad and uh, I, I haven't seen an update on Melvin's injury do you uh, do you have any update on, on what's going on with his knee uh, we're recording this one on uh, Wednesday and I haven't seen it but uh, he did come back in and uh, all reports seem to indicate that he would be okay for uh, week five but I guess anything that comes out of the team can uh, turn out to be absolute garbage as well at the start of the week so that's one to, <laughs> that's one to check in on the, the injury report as the week moves forward yeah, no, I like Melvin Gordon, and uh, unfortunately he was a high pick this year who is probably going to struggle with uh, being banged up uh, for at least in the next couple of weeks. It's got to kind of dampen his upside a little bit, but uh, definitely a guy that you throw in there and start if he is going to uh, be playing any snaps on that field because he really does dominate the team's uh, carries. Yeah, and the, the Chargers this week are hosting uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think this uh, will be their third home game in a row, and they're playing down, obviously, in L.A. now and um, 0-3 for the season. So it's not been a good start, and they play the Eagles. And the Eagles are a team that I think will get better as the season goes on. Uh, they did win that game, too, very, very late against the Giants last week with that long, long field goal. So it's going to be uh, against the Eagles team that really have a, a lot of confidence uh, in themselves at this moment in time. So it's going to be a tough, tough day for the Chargers this week. The Bears run game, it was it was pretty much all the Bears run games. Mike Lennon was the quarterback, but they, they didn't use him too much this week. He just handed the ball off to uh, the running backs there in Chicago. Uh, Howard finished the game with 164 total yards, leading the Bears in both rushing and receiving. And his backup, Terry Cohen, who has been a, a hot waiver wire ad over the last couple of weeks, uh, totaled over 100 yards once more. In this game, it was clear kind of that Jordan Howard is, is the lead back, and uh, it could have been a bigger day as well for Tariq Cohen because he did. Uh, it looked like he had won the game on a Russian touchdown, uh, and that he was ruled to have his foot out of bounds. And then two plays later, Jordan Howard rumbled in to uh, seal the game. But it's going to be a split as the season goes on. I think if you did draft Howard, obviously drafted him early, but he is getting that workload. He had a shoulder injury coming into this one, so I don't think you have to be worried about that. And uh, if you've picked up Tariq Cohen over the last couple of weeks, particularly in PPR leagues, I think you're uh, onto a real strong situation situation there but the Bears wide receivers are uh, pretty much just uh, no drop them all don't keep them in your rosters <laughs> I mean uh, right maybe spot start he's really really cheap if you play DFS and he's probably on your waiver wire if you're playing season long um, I, I would just I, I think that this type of game is probably not going to reoccur I think they're going to make an emphasis and, and and if if 
if it is the case that Glennon can only throw five yards comfortably, then it would be uh, right as the guy can right is going to be the main beneficiary. Yeah, and I don't know when I was reading my notes here. I don't know if I got all the way through to the last part of the line after I mentioned the the Cohen getting a hundred yards, but the next one up was the Bears wide receivers combined for one catch for nine yards. So uh, unbelievable. That is that is uh, extremely bleak. Uh, a player I uh, again I'm going to type the the Beat Report podcast last week. A player that I tied it up uh, obviously with um, the injury there to Davis down in Tennessee was Richard Matthews and he caught six of nine targets uh, for 87 yards and a touchdown a very nice touchdown a kind of a screen play with nice blocking downfield as they faced the Seahawks and won at home so uh, I've always liked Matthews are you are you a Matthews guy I think he's somebody who he obviously came over from the Dolphins and last year had a, a nice solid season and then they obviously drafted Corey Davis and they took in Eric Decker people thought that the workload mightn't be there for him but uh, he's clearly somebody that Marcus Mariota trusts yeah, he was my favorite guy on that team in terms of the wide receiving core, even after they drafted Davis. So uh, it's nice to see him getting some run. And um, I know Davis is still injured and I'm not seeing uh, not seeing the field like uh, we would hope. So, yeah, de- definitely a guy you want to circle. And if he's available on your waiver wire, pick him up. Yeah, 100% if he's available in your waiver wire. And I don't think he'll be available in any like dynasty leagues or anything. But uh, if he is, make sure that he, he is on the, your roster uh, player that I think is going to continue to have that uh, little bit of nice workload as the rest of the season progresses. Uh, Chris Hogan, I mentioned earlier about his week one air yards, and then, uh, you know, I, I just talked about that whole situation, but mentioning air yards, and uh, obviously you are the air yards guy, is there anyone that uh, maybe has a little bit of difference in their overall yards this season versus their actual receiving yards that uh, you think that their season's about to pick up? Yeah, I think, uh, again, we talked about him. My, my guy this week is Amari Cooper. Um, I think he's going to bounce back even against a, a port. Denver, I mean, a, a very poor matchup against the Denver secondary, and especially the week following Denver, I think you're gonna you're gonna see him really uh, kind of bounce back into his old efficiency, and and given his volume, he, he should put up some decent scoring numbers. Um, but you know, I I just released uh, my air yards countdown list, and there's I think uh, six or seven other guys on the list. I'd encourage anyone to if you wrote of his website, uh, which is currently down because I think Evan Silva retweeted the link. And crash the site if it's uh, if it's back up uh, by the time this airs. I would definitely check out that article. Yeah, a combination of uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's great work and Evan Silva tweeting it out uh, just causes chaos. I think that's what we we need to learn from that. When we were on the the Titans uh, game a minute ago, I meant to mention as well that Pete Carroll had said that. Uh, with Doug Baldwin, um, you know, saying the severity of the strain remains unclear. So we'll see as the week goes on. Baldwin was having a very, very solid game in that there, and then he obviously had to sit out the majority of the fourth quarter. If he's out, uh, this Seattle Seahawks offense is going to struggle even more than it has. He is the key piece, in my opinion, to that offense, along with Russell Wilson. So we'll see as the week goes on uh, if he can suit up this week. The other part of news then, the last piece of news I have down here is uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that Tyler Eifert will miss multiple weeks with a back injury. It's obviously not good news. Uh, Eifert has struggled over the last, uh, basically his whole career with uh, injuries. He did have a back injury coming into the season, uh, so he's going to have to sit out. But the good news, I guess, is that he, he doesn't need surgery. Is Eifert somebody that uh, obviously is a, a very touchdown dependent or tight end? All tight ends, in my opinion, tend to be touchdown dependent. If he is playing, he can be among the best. But uh, are you just um, staying away from Eifert in terms of uh, long-term view with uh, the consistent uh, amount of injuries that he picks up? Yeah, I, I don't think he's a guy I'd be targeting. In a couple of my leagues, I saw some folks drop him, and he's not a guy I'm going to be wasting a bench slot on right now. Um, you know, I guess the best you could hope for with Eifert is that the rest of your team sleeps on him. He finally comes back. No one picks him up, and you can stream him that week uh, if you're having tight end trouble. Uh, but no, I don't. he's not someone I would trust. 
And then a question we got in on Twitter from Pivot. It was at FL Pivot. Which or who is one player who has an impressive air yards portfolio that you don't buy into? So maybe kind of pretty much the opposite of the question I asked you about who you thought, and you mentioned Amari Cooper. Who's somebody who has an impressive air yards portfolio that you aren't buying into for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I I think it would be Tory Smith. So a guy like that who sees relatively few targets but lots of air yards behind yeah, them. Yeah. And then doesn't get an opportunity very often because of either his skill set or the, or the actual looks downfield that he's getting in terms of how the coverage is playing him. Um, so he doesn't he doesn't convert on those even at league average, which is around 33%. Uh, he's a guy that I think has empty air yards. And so um, he's fallen off my buy low list this week. He's no longer a target. Um, but, you know, those boomer bust guys are tough either way. But I think that's what... That's what you really need to do. When you're looking at air yards and you see guys that have lots of them, but they have only a few targets, really need to wonder, is this guy just seeing you know, a few targets because he hasn't had the right matchups, or is this just how they're going to use him as a decoy and they toss one of their three or four deep balls to him each game, and it's, and it's really a 30 or 40% shot that he's going to actually come down with a 50-yard pass, and that's about it. Um, and that's not a great guy. Uh, that's not a great player for fantasy that you want to roster. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, you know, maybe uh, two or three times a season has that long touchdown but overall on a week-to-week basis it's just not viable to start and uh, you know you mentioned that we were talking earlier about Ertz and uh, we didn't mention Alshon Jeffrey we talked about the Eagles but the two of them are among the most uh, targeted players in the NFL so far this season and uh, that just doesn't leave a lot for the other receivers there in Philadelphia so it's going to be a tough sled in this season for Torrey Smith and I think he belongs pretty much on all waiver wires and talking of waiver wires I'm going to run through a list quickly and get your opinion on who you're targeting and who you might have picked up uh, already on the waiver wires this week we're looking at the running back position for week four we have Wendell Smallwood, Jamal Charles, Dante Foreman, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, Samaj J.P. Ryan and Alex Collins. Is there any of those that catch your eye for me? If I was going for one, uh, I think it's going to be clearly uh, one built in with extra nostalgia on this one too. It would be uh, Jamal Charles. I do like Charles and boy, he, he really is uh, and has been for a long time one of the best and he continues to show that at least on limited volume, he can continue to be that guy. But the guy but the guy I picked up last week and the guy I would recommend picking up this week is probably Dante Foreman. Um, he had almost 100 yards, and a lot of it had came through the uh, passing game. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who is a huge upside play. So that if something happens to Lamar Miller, uh, or even if they decide to make a change, which could certainly happen, Lamar Miller is probably one of the worst high volume running backs in the league from my perspective. He doesn't break a lot of tackles, doesn't create a lot on his own. Um, then Duncan Foreman could be a guy that in the second half of the season really makes this waiver wire pickup hugely valuable for your team. Yeah, I think and I think a lot of people are starting to to get onto that as well. I listened to a couple of different podcasts this week and a lot of buzz around De- Deontay Foreman. So he's getting that positive uh, workload on a weekly basis. And then if uh, anything does happen to Miller or he just overtakes him, obviously that's going to take off in a huge, huge way. Uh, Jamal Charles was awesome to see him uh, make his way into the end zone this past week as well. After all his injury troubles, wide receivers there's Marquis Lee. There's the already talked about Kenny Br- Britt, Devon or Devin Funches, Sterling Shepard had a big touchdown this past week against the Eagles. Paul Richardson. Tyler Lockett, Jerron Brown, Rashid Higgins, Alan Hearns, Robert Woods, and the man that uh, saved my Packers last week, <laughs> Geronimo Allison, one of the best names in the NFL. Uh, any of those guys that you're you're jumping aboard? Absolutely. Marquise Lee is uh, the guy I would circle on there with uh, uh, probably 1A would be Devin Funches. Devin Funches has been good this season already. He's been efficient. He's had pretty uh, pretty good volume on uh, the Carolina team. He's, uh, let's see here, his Target shares 21%. He had a share of air yards of 31%. So he's yeah. seen quite a bit of volume. His racers 
decent at .62, which just means that for every air yard thrown at him, he turns that into about .62 receiving yards. All that said, he's a buy low. Um, going to be seeing more action now that Kelvin Benjamin has uh, dinged up his hammy or whatever they uh, ruled his actual injury to be, but I don't think he's going to be effective this coming week. He's a guy I would probably uh, pull the trigger on, uh, but Marquis Lee is, is right there too. He is uh, He's seen 39% of his team's air yards and 26% of the target share. He's dwarfing um, Alan Hearns in total volume, and, and uh, he's just not turning it into points. I think that'll, that'll change pretty soon here, um, especially if we get – a nice week with garbage portals all over again. Yeah, and you mentioned Funches as well. He's playing up in New England this uh, week against the Patriots, so uh, I think game script-wise uh, there should be lots of targets to come his way as they try and play from behind. And obviously I mentioned uh, something has to try and kickstart this Panthers uh, offense now as the season goes along here. Tight ends, the last one to go for Evan Ingram of the Giants, uh, Jared Cook. Uh, then we have Austin Severian Jenkins just back from that suspension. Cameron Britt. Ben Watson and Ryan Griffin. I didn't hear anything uh, after the weekend, but Cameron Britt uh, on a, a targeted uh, play against the uh, Vikings last week went in to the end zone to try and catch a ball, and he did uh, pretty much get decapitated from the uh, ball itself. So I haven't heard anything. I, I, th- I think he might have went into the concussion protocol, so I'd be wary uh, about that. I need to look that up again. But out of these guys, uh, who would you be uh, going with in this? Probably Cook. He had the best showing in a really tough game for Oakland. I think he makes a, a decent streamer, you know, this next week. And, and uh, But I, I would not lock into him. He would not be a guy that I would uh, uh, add and hold. I would look to him as a streamer. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at this list in general, it's probably going to be streaming options all the way around. Uh, ASJ is an interesting one just because of the, the situation in New York where they have uh, not had a tight end pretty much the last uh, three or four years, and he might get a nice workload there. Uh, I haven't actually Mercedes Lewis on this, who was uh, probably the number one scoring tight end last week, but uh, I think we're pretty sure that that's not going to continue as the season moves forward here uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, obviously, we're coming here to the end of the show, and uh, we're looking forward to week four. But Josh, uh, as we finish up here, obviously, I mentioned at the start, you are on Twitter at Frisco Josh. Uh, you can find all the great stuff on airyards at airyards.com. And, of course, I mentioned already the Numbers Game podcast, one of my favorite lessons each and every week on uh, Rotoviz Radio. But uh, outside of that, anything else that you want to give a, a mention to as we uh, wrap up things here? No, no, I, I had a great time, Paul, and I, I just uh, I'm looking forward to these uh, Thursday night game. Actually, I, uh, the way DraftKings has done is they've split up the slate. So you have the Monday night game coupled with the Thursday night game. I'm doing pretty well, so hopefully I'll finishing the money and i hope everyone else does <laughs> hope everyone else does as well it was a it was a big night for larry fitzgerald one of my favorite monster, players monster night yeah he, he he had a monster night and uh, fitz is just one of those guys i just love it because he just keeps going on keeps playing on keeps playing to that level everyone doubts him just keeps dominating and uh, i guess we give a, a shout out to another old guy jason Witten. <laughs> he's still uh he's still pumping for sure along. yeah so uh Obviously, that there is something in the, the Packers, the Bears this Thursday night, which is uh, going to be tomorrow, and I'm uh, very, very excited that I'll be watching that here in Ireland too. The very, very late hours uh, into the night, so uh, make sure you're following along on Twitter for my comments. Uh, it mightn't be uh, all that uh, neutral uh, while the game goes on. <laughs> uh, I, I try and be neutral, and uh, some people even tweeted me. I, I think I put up a picture of something a few weeks ago, and somebody said, oh, I didn't realize you're a, a Packers supporter, and I was like, I try and be neutral on the podcast, but sometimes when the Packers are playing and I'm tweeting out, it, it just... Uh, 
just veers away very very aggressively from that so as i mentioned there follow josh on twitter at frisco josh that is f-r-i-s-c-o josh and uh, you can follow me on twitter as well at overtime ireland uh, make sure as well that you follow all the great stuff going on with uh, rotoviz radio and rotoviz.com i'm doing a lot of work over there as is josh so uh, there's fantastic uh, pr- content being uh, pumped out there each and every day throughout the season so much content both audio and written so make sure you check out rotoviz Make sure you check out that uh, OTI10 promo code for the 10% off as well at europe.nflshop.com. And uh, with all the plugs done, with all the, the, the news and notes done, I guess all that's left to say is have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.